Prepare yourself for Earthling Entertainment with your hosts, Joe and Ryan. Hey guys, and welcome to Earthling Entertainment with Joe and Ryan. I'm Joe. I'm Ryan. Yay! So how you doing, bud? Dude, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, anything new with you, buddy? Yeah, so I've been playing uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre video game. Because... I didn't even know there was a video game. Oh, there's a video game. Okay. And, and the reason why is because, uh, you know, the kid, it's a baby, and I have to uh, constantly watch the baby. Go figure. And this game is kind of like rounds. It's turns. So, you know, they take about 10 minutes as opposed to a long narrative. Well, huh. anyways, yeah, it's it's a horror survival game, as you could imagine, being the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Okay, so you're running from them. Well, yeah, so you start out in the basement, and you got to basically escape the basement by finding tools, and then you got to escape the yard, and it's in, at the same time, you have three villains, Leatherface and the other villains, and they're trying to kill you. And it's kind of like Friday the 13th, or Dead by Daylight. It's, uh, even the new Ghostbusters and the new Evil Dead, I think, were like this. And it's just kind of like rounds of hide-and-seek with intense violence and murder. It's a good game. That, that sounds fun. Just make sure, yeah, probably the baby shouldn't be watching that, man. That'd freak him out a little bit. Well, to be clear, the baby is usually in a playpen or his bouncer or something, not staring at a TV of, uh, you know, You know, Leatherface coming after you. Yeah, I mean... Dude, I think, think you... about how scary the movies were when we were little, and now you've got a video game where the thing's actually coming after you. It, well, it's true. <laughs> Dude, that's crazy. Yeah, somebody was like, they've never made a horror video game like this before. Well, it's like, actually, there was... I was going to say, yeah, Run From Jason is like the usual, horror, like the old school horror, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm just saying, there was a Texas Chainsaw Massacre game way back like 30, 40 years ago, and it was like from Atari. Yeah, and uh, there was a Jaws game too, where Jaws was coming after you. See, that would be cool. Yeah, that yeah, I believe it was like on Nintendo. Could be wrong. Like I want to play the Jaws game. You know what the Jaws game should be? I'll bet you it was terrible. Well, it should be like uh, <laughs> Echo the Dolphin, where you're playing as the uh, the Jaws, and you're going around trying to eat people. That's what I want to play. I mean, they basically do do that. They have that shark attack game. That is you that a real game? There is a game. Yeah, it's it's like a it's a app mobile. App oh, it's game. a mobile game. Okay, well, I mean, it's I've played it a few times. It's funny. If if your gaming chair is a toilet then uh, you're a mobile game player, and I don't respect you as a gamer. Hey, hey I I love my Switch, and I <laughs> usually am playing it on the toilet. So, I, I mean, I'm old school. I used to play my old Game Boy Color, my little green Game Boy Color on the pooper. Yeah, that, was, that was the way to go. A lot of people read books, but video games, that, that makes sense, too. Well, yeah, I had it right there in the drawer in the bathroom. It's perfect. You got all the different Pokemon games. My fa I would always usually do uh, Pokemon Platinum, where that was like the first one where they actually like moved. Sure, 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 sure. You know, that was, you know, head I, its time, I was, uh, head its time. Yeah, I was the 1997 red, blue, yellow were, guy. Which one? Were you red or blue? Uh, I was blue. I was red. Yeah, fair That's enough. That's funny. My brother had the blue. Anyways, so on today's episode of Earthling Entertainment, we're going to take another shot at the sequel game. Ryan has a little bit more prep. I I'm gave, ready. I'm ready. I gave him a very large number of uh, franchises, and I told him I was only going to pick five of them. So he has a little bit more... Out of 12. Yeah, he has a little bit more <laughs> preparation. Yeah, he gave me 12 whole franchises that are ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> so after that, we have the uh, spooky stuff, which everyone loves. Got a few topics there. Follow Followed by our headlines, and then a talk about Ahsoka uh, Episode 6, which was a oh, great episode. Oh, so good. So if you like Star Wars and you like Ahsoka, stick around till the end. Otherwise, I think we're going to jump right into the sequel game. The sequel game! 
the sequel game. Ryan, are you ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. Excellent. All right, so today's game consists of five questions. Each question is going to be the same. How many movies are in a given franchise? Each question is worth five points for a total of 25 points. Each movie uh, added up because each sequel, if Ryan guesses, it is an additional one point for 42 points and two bonus questions. I hope you guys are taking notes. Excellent. So it's actually pretty easy. We start off with saying, first question one, Ryan, are you ready? And how many? How many episodes? How many installments are in the live-action Resident Evil franchise? Not counting the remake, by the way. So Resident Evil had seven. Damn. Damn. The answer is... Yeah, that's right. Six, damn. The answer is six. Uh, All right, I'll take that hit. All right, so... Name in no particular order, any of the films in that franchise for a point for each correct title. First one, Resident Evil. Yes, that one doesn't count because that's a given. Second, Resident Evil Extinction. Uh, That is actually number three, but you get it. Resident Evil... uh, Shoot, I forget the second one. Uh, I know there's uh, Afterlife. For sure. You don't have to go in order. Resident Evil, the final chapter. That is correct. Yes. Uh... And the second one has to be Resident Evil. It, they're all one word. Oh, man. Oh, dude. Apocalypse. Apocalypse is correct. Yes. All right. There is one you have not named. Do you give up or do you want to name it? I give up. You give up? All right. The answer was Retribution. Yeah, I wouldn't. I, I forgot all about that one. I wouldn't have got that. Fair enough. So these the film franchise is Resident Evil 2002, Resident Evil Apocalypse 2004, Resident Evil Extinction, 2007. That one was a good one. It was a good one. Deserts of uh, Las Vegas. It was pretty sweet. Yeah. Resident Evil Afterlife, 2010. Resident Evil Retribution, 2012. I guess I forgot about that one. And ending (laughs) with Resident Evil, the final chapter, 2017. I believe they had like a 32% on Rotten Tomatoes. You know, I gotta be honest, uh, Resident Evil, the final chapter, you could look it up, has the highest rating of any tomato reader in that franchise. Oh, I must have been thinking about someone else. Well, I've respectably withdrawn. All right, so now we have a bonus question. Ryan, can you name the title of the 2001 Resident Evil remake for one additional point? No. You can't? No. Would you care to make a guess? Uh, Resident Evil. The residents are eviler. <laughs> Even eviler. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is Resident Evil. Welcome to Raccoon City. Damn. 2021. Oh, you know, I, you know, I should have wagered that if I was being serious. See, that's what I'm saying. You know, if you either have a real guess or have a goofy guess to make us laugh. I mean, well, that's, that's kind of... I, I was hoping to make make at least a couple people chortle. Yeah, no, fair enough. Fair enough. All right. So after question one, Ryan has four points. Now hey, I'm doing better than last time. Out of a possible possible 69 points, Ryan needs 20, yeah. 20 to win the game. <laughs> 69. All right. So next franchise. Ryan, how many films are in the Dragonheart franchise? Five. That is correct. Yes. Ryan, you did it. I'm very proud of you. Here we go. All right. So can you name these films? 
I'm going to do my best. All right, now keep in mind, once again, Dragonheart doesn't count because that's a given. All right, well, I'm just going to start with it, Dragonheart. All right. And then it goes Dragonheart. Uh... Dragonheart uh, is incorrect. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. All right. It's on the tip of my tongue. Give me a second, y'all. That's fair. Do, 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 do. All right, I know I know that there's a fight for the heart fire. All right, that's incorrect. A battle for the heart fire. All right, that's one. Then there's a vengeance. That is correct. That's the last one. Yes. I don't know why I can't think of I can't think of the second. All right, do you want to give up? Uh yeah, uh, I'm going to go ahead and guess it was uh uh no, that was someone else. Yeah, I got them all mixed up. I'm I'm out. I'm out. All right. Well, you got uh, two of those correct. The franchise is Dragonheart 1996, Dragonheart A New Beginning. That was it. 2000, Dragonheart 3, The Sorcerer's Curse. I don't know what. Yeah, 2015. Yeah, I, and I knew that it, that was the only one that had a number. Yeah. I, I specifically remembered that, but I just couldn't remember what it was called. Fair enough. Well, that number four is Dragonheart Battle for the Heart Fire. Yeah, I knew. I remembered that one. And finally, Dragonheart Vengeance. Because that was a stereotypical end of name of a series, Vengeance. Well, Dragonheart Vengeance was uh, interesting to say the least. Because I am the knight. Well, they had uh, I forget her name. Something Bottom Carter, the uh, the chick from Fight Club. She was in Sweeney Todd. Uh, Tim Burton was married to her for a while. Yeah. Uh, well, anyways, she played the dragon. But to save, I have to imagine the only reason was to save money. They had the dragon be able to shapeshift in that one. So I remember just for large periods of the film, it's like they're, you're following a mouse. And it's like, oh yeah, it saved a lot of CGI money there, didn't you? Yep, oh, that's the dragon, just gotta sneak it in. It's, it's a mouse, you know, why not? No? I thought, yeah. I, no, that's... that's. I thought they jumped I, I the shark is all it. I never saw it. <laughs> all right, so... After uh, two questions, Ryan has 11 points. Woo! All right, Ryan. Ha- next question. How many films are in the Rambo franchise? Rambo. 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 Five. That is correct. Yes. All right. See, I'm going to have to give you more options now okay. because you've gotten a little too good at this. Okay, All right. here we go. Ready? All right. First Blood. That is correct. That's the first one. That is. Then it's finally Rambo First Blood Part 2. That is correct. Then it is Rambo 3. All right. Then it is Rambo. All right. Then it is Rambo Last Blood. All right. But you forgot about Rambo Dum Dum Dum. Well, you know, we all forget about that. It is an American classic, and to revisit it is very painful. Yeah, I didn't really know where I was going with that. So thanks for trying to bail me out of that bad joke. All right. I did my best. All right. So uh, because the first installment of this series was not simply Rambo, the first one did count, which means you got five points for the question and an additional five points for uh, getting all the sequels. So that is 21 points. So technically you have won the game. Which means we're going to have to adjust and find a middle. <laughs> I had a lot of time yesterday. Joe gave me the uh, the, the 12 possible yesterday. Said he was only going to choose five. So, uh, hey, you, uh, you got to give me props. I did a bit of studying. It's true. We got to find a middle between you getting them, them on, all give me, wrong give me a and hard you getting one. them Come all on. right. All right. 
So, next franchise. Ryan, how many films are in the Scorpion King franchise? Ugh, okay, this is a hard one because I just don't know. All right, I want to say four. And Damn. there is five, five films five. in the Scorpion King franchise. All right. Would you care to name any, do my... of the, any of them? Keep in mind, the first one doesn't count. Well, I always start with, uh, even though it doesn't count, the Scorpion King. Sure. Then the Scorpion King, Rise of a Warrior. What is the full title? The Rise of a Warrior. Uh, No, but you know what? We'll give it to you. That's that's pretty damn close. It's, I was going to say. It's the Scorpion King 2. Rise oh, of see, I forgot that it had the numbers. Fair okay, enough. so then I'll go with so Scorpion three. Uh oh, shoot! Tip my tongue. Tip my tongue. Uh dun 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 dun. You gotta choose. The Rock is sexy. Okay, Scorpion King three colon The Rock is sexy. Incorrect. Damn. What's the next one? Uh, or any, or the, the fourth or fifth one. I mean, it's no right, particular order. Right. No particular order. Man, it's why do I I, I reach such a blank once I ah oh, man because I've never seen these films. That's the thing. It's, sure, I, sure. I, I think I've saw the first one, and that, right. that's about it. So I'm gonna go ahead and say that the next one is uh. Okay. Battle for your mom. All right, Scorpion King 4, Battle for Your Mom. Do you want to care, uh, pick the fifth, or do you... Scorpion King 5, The Scorpions Are Back. Scorpion King 5, The Scorpions Are Back. Ugh. No, that is incorrect. Man, I forgot that one. So out of that question, you got one point. So now you're at 22 points. All right, all right. Well, that's the... all right. We'll get him the next round. All right. The film franchise... By the way, I didn't do Rambo, so I'm going to do them both. The film franchises are Rambo First Blood, 1982... Rambo First Blood Part 2, 1985, Rambo 3, 1988, Rambo 2008, Rambo Last Blood 2019. I actually liked Last Blood. I did too. Uh, all right, and then The Scorpion King, 2002. The Scorpion King 2, Rise of a Warrior, 2008. Uh, I, was, I had that right. I gave you that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Scorpion King 3, Battle for Redemption. That was it. 2012. Scorpion King 4, Quest for Power. Yeah, I, yeah. I, these all were so cheesy, I couldn't remember them. <laughs> 2015. And finally, Scorpion King, Book of Souls. I literally totally even forgot that. Okay, yeah. 2018. Okay, that was a hard one. All you, right. you got me there. And you have 22 points. So technically you won, but I will point out that originally, when forming this game, I was going to make you get 25 <laughs> points, not 20 points. All even right, so let's here. keep trying. So. Let's keep going. All right. Ryan, how many films are in the James I Bond I knew you were going to do franchise? This one. Keep right. in mind we are talking about the mainstream James Bond franchise, not counting two films that were made by other production companies. 26, Bob. The answer is 25. No. Yes. No. Yes. And no. Alex, yes, because you are thinking of the bonus question, which is not a part of the overall franchise. 
See, that's a technicality. But I still a but it's still a James Bond film. So I it think doesn't I'm, matter because there's actually two films, like I mentioned, that are not part of the James Bond franchise. One is the original. Well, why did they come up when I searched James Bond? Because James Bond is in them. Because James Bond is based on a book series. And the book series sold right, rights to fine. other you, production companies. You can go ahead and have that point. I didn't want it anyway. <laughs> You're thinking of the 1983 Never Say Never Again, which did star Sean Connery, but does not count as in, in an actual James Bond film within the franchise. That also starred Kate Beckinsale. Bullshit. Oh. Excuse me, I got I got a bit of a cold. Hey, you can uh, you, you can get mad at this technicality, but if you if you Google it, <laughs> okay. I am one hundred. All right, like I correct. said, keep the point. I don't want all right, it. Keep the all point. Right, it'd be all five right. points. All right, here we go. Ready? All right, you ready? Keep Let's the do five this. points. Yeah, you could keep the five bucks, Mister. Yeah. Well, <laughs> what are the films in the James Bond franchise? Doctor No. Yep. From Russia with Love. Yep. Goldfinger. Yep. Uh, it's Thunderball. Yep. Oh, man. He paid attention to this one. Uh, dun, dun, dun. Hold on. No, 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 no. Hold on, hold on, hold on. But we can't just sit here No, hold on. Just Well, they know I'm thinking. They're rooting for me on the other side of the speaker. I don't know if anyone's rooting for They are. All right. Go ahead. Okay, so for Russia with Love, uh... I'm going to have to put a time. Okay, the spy who loved me. Uh, I know I'm going off now. Yeah, that's fine. That's 1977, The Spy Who Loved Me. Uh, so you said Never Say Never Again doesn't count. Never Say Never Again does not count, but that is a bonus question, so you will get a point for it. You Only Live Twice. You Only Live Twice, 1967. Uh, on, the, on Her Majesty's Secret Service. 1969, George Lazenby. Diamonds Are Forever. Uh, that would be Sean Connery's last film, not counting Never Say Never Again, in 1971. Oh, man. Uh, now I'm going to have to skip a bunch because, like, I'm so discombobulated. Uh, Octopussy. Octopussy, yep, that is definitely there. Moonrake. Uh, it's Moonraker. Moonraker. Ah. Yeah, yeah, Moonraker, 1979. Because there's so damn many. Uh, the Man with the Golden Gun. The Man with the Golden Gun. Yes, that is 1974. Uh... Now I'm going to just go ahead and jump up to uh, GoldenEye. GoldenEye, 1995. Great game. Great video game, that's for sure. That's how we all know it. Uh, Tomorrow Never Dies. 1997. Uh, No Time to Die. I know that's like the last one. (laughs) (laughs) No Time to Die, 2021. Yep. Uh, And in that one was Spectre, Skyfall, Casino Royale. Uh, Casino Royale was 2006, Skyfall was 2012, and Spectre was 2015. There's one missing in the uh, in the um, the series you just went through. It just mixes up in all of, like the randomness that is 007. I'm I'm impressed. I got that many. Well, we can be done whenever you want. Yeah, I ca- I'm calling it. I'm calling it. All right. Well, you got a lot of them out of the 25, which it is 25. By the yep, way. Yeah. 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 Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. You got eighteen out of the 25. That's not too shabby. Not too shabby at all. So 18 added to your 22 is a 40. So you got 40 points out of a possible 69. So no matter how I was planning on making this game. You have won this round, Ryan. Yes. You but, did it. But did, didn't we have... You got some more? Or was that five already? 
that is uh that is five that oh, is wow it. man yeah. all right hell yeah i won you did win but you know what this means you're gonna and, make it harder well i'm gonna get a little harder and also instead of 12 options i'm gonna give you 15 or 20 and tell you that out of those 20 i'm going to pick the five because i want you to have the ability to win but my god sir I feel like you had a little too... The way you went through the James Bond, I should have never picked James Bond. You were preparing. Uh, well, I... Uh, I had... Look at this. Oh, he made notes, people. Well, I didn't look at them while I was sitting here. Yeah, no, no. I He, he legitly played the game, but he, uh, he has... Wrote them all down. He has a little notebook. <laughs> this wrote, man studied. Look at this. He was shamed after last I week. I was. I was. Uh, oh, and I got... I thought for sure, because on the list was Jurassic Park. So allow me to do Jurassic this. Jurassic Park slash Jurassic World. The number is seven, uh-huh. because no one knows about the dumb eight-minute film that is completely, technically, completely canon and a part of it that took place in between Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom and Jurassic World Dominion called Battle at Big Rock, which no one on this planet has ever seen it, but I knew Joe was going to hold it against me, so I made sure to memorize that. I thought for sure he'd throw that at me. To be clear, (laughs) I actually would not have counted that, because I would only count feature films. I would be tempted. It's considered a short film. A short film is not a feature film. Okay, I thought for sure you would have did that. No, no, to no, me. no. A, a fe- I, see, I'm very clear. I will tell you in these questions whether I'm talking about a feature film, a theatrical film, a straight to video film. Well, now, which is why before James Bond, I mentioned Never Say Never Again. Well, now I'm going to. Uh, I know what to Google now. I'm going to ask Google: Are any of these films in this franchise not technically a part of it? Listen. Like, like, if I Google that for Bond, does that, I'm going to try that later. You can Google call, that for I, Bond. I'm going to call you out. You, you can Google that for Bond. I'm dead serious. All right. I know. I know. All, all right. right. All right. Let's move on to spooky stuff. Spooky. Spooky stuff. Spooky stuff. The Lost Colony of Roanoke. Oh, uh, because no one's ever heard of this. I love this. <laughs> this is one of my favorite classic American stories here. Mystery. It's a mystery. Roanoke Colony was one of the first European settlements in the United States, located on an island off the coast of what is now the state of North Carolina. The colony was established in 1587 under the auspices of the first Queen Elizabeth. Soon after, the colony's leader, John White, returned to England, where the settlers came from. His trip was meant to be brief. He was only meant to grab supplies and return to the New World. But political upheaval in the form of England's war with Spain prevented White from returning until 1590. So that's three years. Oh, yeah. So it was only three years, but a lot had changed when John White returned. In fact, the entire colony consisting at the time of 115 people, including a newborn baby by the name of Virginia Dare, was gone, just up and vanished. All that was left was a post onto which the word Croatan Croato- had been carved. I think it's Croatoan. Thank, thank you. Croatoan had been carved. Croatoan referred to the name of the native tribe that had been on good terms with the settlers, so White thought the colonists had moved to Croatoan Island, now known as Hatteras, North Carolina, but they are not. 
It remains one of the most famous disappearances that no one can explain. What's more, there's never been any evidence to suggest the colony was massacred. Lauren Kahn, Reader's Digest. Yeah, because that is a theory. The, uh, some people say that a, a Spanish may have attacked him because obviously they were at war. And uh, someone, other people have said that the Indians, there's some tribes that they weren't happy with. And then other people say that they were taken in by the Indians and that they all kind of interbred and just, be, you know, just kind of lived their lives. But we like the supernatural stuff. We do. And uh, especially when, you know, I, w- I remember learning about this in high school. Yeah, and, it freaked you out, didn't it? Well, yeah, because you because I remember I start thinking like I'm like, well, what if something like you know really fucked up actually happened? And it's like, yeah, you know, you you know, a lot can happen in three years. Sure, and sure. So that night that I learned about it in high school, I remember I had a dream where I walked up to this to the tree that had Croatoan carved in it, and I looked up, and instead of leaves growing out of the tree, it was like fingers and hands and arms and legs and feet. And shit, like body parts, like growing out of the tree, and it like freaked me out. And I looked back down at the Croatoan carving, and the carving started to bleed, as a carving would do. And then I woke up, and it felt like a like almost like yeah, like kind of like a sleepy hollow kind of feel to to the dream. It was really freaky. It had a very Tim Burton aesthetic. Yeah, yeah, and, which which is really fucking entertaining when it's a movie, but in real life, or I should say in dream life, that is scary. And I'm not making that up, y'all. Like, I remember telling Joe about it. I'm like, dude, I had the most fucked up dream. Like, dude, like, like, dude, that, well, I mean, what a crazy story. Like, they, they, and from what I've learned, they went around and no one knew what happened. Like, they talked to the Indians and they were well, like, Well, yeah, nope. through, throughout history, a lot of people have uh, studied and researched uh, what happened. Um, it's kind of funny. So this Virginia Dare was the first woman, uh, well, first anyone born in the United States from the settlement or settlers from, you know, Europe. And there's this whole weird legend from North Carolina where apparently she is living with the Indian tribe because in this legend, that's what happened to the settlers that go live with the Indians. Okay. And she ends up being just like a full on hottie and she's courted by two suitors. You know, uh, one guy is for lack of a better word, an asshole, and the other guy's a nice guy. Well, the asshole uses magic, straight-up magic, to turn her into a white deer. Now she is a white deer, and she's running around the forest. Well, the uh, the one suitor who was a nice guy, was he figures out by talking to another witch that he could create an arrow to shoot her, and then she'll turn back into a human. And now the asshole guy, uh, long or I think it was a different guy, but the point is he wanted to hunt her. So one wanted a trophy, one wanted a saber. They they hunt, they find her, and they both shoot at the same time. And she's turned back into a maiden and killed instantly because each arrow hits her in the heart. And then, uh, you know, bad Indian leaves and the good Indian takes her body and carries it back to where the ruins of the settlement used to be. And when she where she dies, these red grapes growed, and that is where North Carolina wine gets its sweet flavor. It's from the ghost of the white doe, which is Virginia Dare. All this researching the lost city of Roanoke, which had nothing to do with the thing I wanted to talk about when it came to Roanoke. I just thought that was an interesting story. I've never heard that before, but it makes total sense. That's exactly <laughs> what happened. I mean, uh, that explains it. Yeah, we figured it out. Honestly, it was werewolves. I mean, well, <laughs> well, I don't know, you know, like, or like what, like cryptids or Windigo, like you never know shapeshifters like like they there you hear all these stories about effed up things that people saw back then like anything could have happened 
you know, years I, is a I, long time. I like the Wendigo idea. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, harsh winter. So, unfortunately, some of these settlers have to retur- resort excuse me, to cannibalism. And as they eat the flesh of their neighbor, the evil Indian spirit known as the Wendigo takes possession of their body. They become very, very skinny because they are forever starved. And they grow antlers and end up being kind of a beast of a human rather than a human. And they wander the land, eating the flesh, forever never able to quench their <laughs> hunger. The Wendigo. The American classic. <laughs> All right. Uh, so let's go ahead and move on to the next one. No, I have more to say about this. So my other favorite thing. Okay. Dean Coons did a story about uh, Roanoke where he just briefly mentioned it was Roanoke, but they also made a movie. It was called Phantoms. Ben Affleck was in it. And Jay and Son Bob prop, uh, give it props in what was it? Uh, Jay and Son Bob Strike Back. Phantoms like a motherfucker. Yeah, I yeah. remember Phantoms. Yeah, well, Phantoms, in that film, they, they kind of alluded to the fact that what was happening in that small town is what happened Interesting. to, to yeah. the lost colony of Roanoke. And that was basically uh, subterranean monsters that could either make you hallucinate or take the form of shape-shifting monsters. It was this whole thing. I never read the book, and the movie didn't do a great job of explaining it, so I, I don't know. Eh, well... And it's funny, like, on a total random note, I was uh, on the train with my kids at Greenfield Village. You know, we live here in Dearborn, and uh, oh they, yeah, they, they're they setting up for Halloween, and one of the things that they did is while you're driving by, there's a sign on one of the trees that says Croatoan. Really? That's fun. Yeah, and I was like, ah! And I told the story, just, like, literally telling everybody just over the weekend. And right now on. we're doing it. It's, it was, I was laughing when you, I'm like, it's kind of creepy. Yeah, so for those who don't know, uh, Greenfield Village was a property owned by Henry Ford because Dearborn is his hometown, and basically he would buy buildings because he was that rich, and brought them here and made like a little community. Brick by brick. Brick by brick. So he has the uh, he has a courtroom where Lincoln learned law. He has the Wright Brothers Cycle Shop. Yep. He has Thomas Edison's childhood home. He's got mm-hmm. Henry Ford's childhood home. And he put them all together in this little village, and it's the, you can go, and it... it I mean, people come around the world to see this. It's funny because we grew up next to it. It's kind of like, uh, you know, if you grew up next to Disneyland, Disneyland doesn't seem like a big deal. Well, uh, that's kind of Greenfield Village. Yeah, it, it's it's got all the classic, like, hit, like the historical things that changed the world back then. You know, you can ride around in over 100-year-old cars there and shit. It's crazy. Yeah, they got Model A's, Model T's. Uh, it's it, sweet. It's a lot of fun. You know, I worked there when I was 19 as a night security guard. <coughs> So, yeah, and you used to call me at, like, 1 in the morning, like, hey, I gotta go in the Edison house, stay on the phone. That's true. It, <laughs> it was scary. It wasn't the Edison house, though. It was the um, the, the tea shop. So, there, yeah. that is the haunted place. Also, uh, and that's, I'm actually saying that. So, there is a Coxwell Cottage, which, on record, had a exorcist come there in the 70s, I believe. Yep. So, whether you believe in ghosts or not, I'm just saying that one might be legitimately haunted. So any ghost hunters, any paranormal lovers, you want to check out Greenfield Village? If you go into the Coxville College Cottage, where, by the way, they sell tea during the day. It's very nice. Uh, the door <laughs> leading upstairs is actually screwed shut. And it's screwed shut, and no one can go there. Like, I was security guard. We didn't even have keys. So... I'm sure some up and up who, you know, owns the place, technically the trust, whatever, the board of directors, I'm sure someone can get up there, but it is sealed. And that is why, because there is apparently a World War One war widow who you could hear crying about her lost love. It's very depressing. Ooh, I love spooky stories when it comes to Greenfield Village, because, yeah, those those are like the oldest buildings I think I've ever been in in my life. 
Well, I mean, we live in the United States, so unfortunately, the oldest building you're going to get is like two, maybe, you know, 300 years old if it was like a mission built by... That's when history started. Uh, don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) Don't, don't, don't be that guy. (laughs) I am that guy, America. 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 All right, let's move on to the next one. Our next spooky thing. I love this photo. The Hook Island Sea Monster from 1964. While on a boat trip with his family in the summer of 1964, Robert Leserek saw a creature in the Australian waters that appeared monster-like in size, described as being around 80 feet in length with serpent-like features and eyes on top of its head. The creature quickly became known as the Hook Island Monster. The best known of the Hook Island Monster photo is familiar to many. The two or three others are less familiar. It features a gigantic tadpole-like monster. That's what I always thought. Yeah, it definitely looks like a tadpole. Supposedly encountered in Stonehaven Bay, Hook Island, Queensland by Robert Lesserick and his family and a friend during December of 1964. Many theories have debunked the photograph as being either fake or staged, but the myth lives on. So, I mean, it's 1964, so they didn't they didn't just use Photoshop. So, yes, I mean... That's where I'm at on it. It looks it, sweet. You can see the water on top of it. Yeah, I mean, there are totally ways to fake a photo back then, but it wasn't, it wasn't nearly as common. And it does look like a giant tadpole. So, I'm less scared of a giant tadpole. Can you imagine a giant frog? That, that's honestly was going to be my next point. I'm like, a giant frog actually sounds absolutely petrifying. They eat they, they anything. Oh, man. Well, yeah, and then, like, just a tongue shooting at you and sticking to your body and you getting pulled into this frog's mouth. That'd be horrifying. There was a, uh, a South Korean film called The the Host, which kind of had a monster. It was a little bit of, like, a kaiju thing, except it was... Yeah, you know, the point is, it was a bit frog-like. That was the closest thing I could think of. And I think there was a film in the 80s called The Frogs. Yeah, I remember The Frogs. The Frogs. But I mean... I saw some of that. I just feel like frogs are underutilized as giant monsters. I mean, we have giant ants, we got giant reptiles, but like a freaking frog would be horrifying. I thought the frog in Power Rangers was a lot better than he than he like... He was like, I'm a frog. Remember Power Rangers movie? <laughs> yes, yes. In the Power Rangers movie... And he the ended Black up being Ra- sweet. He the Black like- Ranger, which is known as Adam, uh, he became a frog and his frog zord, and he was disappointed. That's what Ryan is referring to here. But it was sweet. He was able to, like, electrocute him and shit. Yes, he had an electrocution tongue. It was sweet. You know, you can't assume our listeners watch the exact same childhood shows that you have. Like you- I said, I did specify Power Rangers. It, that's true. Power Rangers... <laughs> Excuse me, uh, what he meant to say is the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the movie, which go, came go out in 1995. <laughs> All right, always got me there for the uh, for the fact go, check. Go, Power Rangers, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. All right, all right, we did it, we did it. <laughs> all right, well, do you have more to say about the, uh, the Hook Island uh, monster? I honestly, I'm gonna go seventy-five percent. I think it's a, I think it's real. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna close the door on it was faked, but uh, it looks real to me. I always thought it was cool. You know, without doing any research as to how they would fake a photo in 1964, it does look pretty good to me. And uh, I assume we have the one photo, which is the the more known photo out of the three, because it is described as once again a giant tadpole, and it looks like a giant tadpole. 
And it even it even looks like the guy's like in the boat is like looking over at it. He's like, oh crap. Yeah. Can you imagine? Like you're in a tiny little canoe or like a kayak and a giant creature. I mean, you you're expecting it if you're in the ocean, right? Like maybe well, you see a killer sea, whale or something. It's a sea monster, so I mean, it's it's salt water. That's uh, okay. Fair enough. I, that's why I don't I don't love water, man. I didn't grow up. I mean, I grew up in Michigan, so we have the Great Lakes. So I mean, okay, I grew up. Yeah, nothing water. nothing's gonna get us. But well, actually, the Michigan Triangle, which we'll talk about on a different day. Oh. It's the Bermuda Triangle, but it's in Michigan. It's I've never even heard about it. We, Seriously? We're going to oh. co- have to cover that. All right, next week, we're covering the Michigan Triangle. I like that. Okay. Well, I think that'll be it for <laughs> spooky stuff. Are you ready for headlines? Earthling Entertainment Headlines. A wild bear broke into Disney World, causing ride closures. This comes to us from IGN.com. A wild bear, not Winnie the Pooh. Baloo, or even a country bears member. We have to specify. But an actual bear broke into the Magic Kingdom at Disney World and caused ten rides to shut down. That bear made some distance. (laughs) Officials from Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission were made aware of reports of guests spotting a black bear in a tree near Big Thunder Mountain Railroad on Monday morning. He was scoping it out. He's like, how can I break into this place? I'm going to get me them picnic baskets. Uh, here I come, man. Yeah, I'm coming in. God, can I, I got a fast pass. <laughs> that was really good. Big Thunder Mountain Railroad on Monday morning, causing that ride and other attractions in Frontierland, Adventureland, and Liberty and Liberty Square to shut down. I love Disney. Like, like, like. Okay, we got a bear, so we'll shut these couple little parts down. But you guys could still enjoy the castle and just get, a like, bear. like, why don't you stick up front, get an ice cream? It'll be done in a moment. If you ask me, that might be dangerous because that bear apparently made some distance. Like, why, why was they closing down like five different lands? Man, was he just running through the park? And uh, I just, you know, I know a little bit about it. And if I'm right, they don't serve alcohol at Magic Kingdom, so it's like, so at least there there weren't anybody who was drunk, like like while the I'm bear gonna was pe- I'm gonna pet the robot bear, like you, <laughs> right? That's where that's where I was going to, like be like, man, these costumes, man, are the animatronics here? Are they're really they're really top-notch. good. The costumes are. I'm, I'm gonna go pet them. I'm gonna pet. Uh, I'm gonna pet them. Can I can I get a signature? <laughs> All right, continue. <laughs> oh no, that's what's cracking me up. Like, so just these three: uh, Frontierland, Adventureland, and Liberty Square to shut down. Per Nextstar's Grant Gustin, whatever the hell. Oh, that's that's the dude's name who uh, reported that. Dude, According, wait, to- hold on. Grant Gustin is the star of the Flash series. Really? Yeah, I don't know if that's I don't know. Maybe they have the exact same name, but that he's the Flash. So in my head, the Flash reported this. I was gonna say, he's so like, he ran up there real yeah, quick. He's, he's like, like, I'm not dealing with a bear. He was just like, <laughs> there's a fucking bear. Yeah, I, I should. I still there. I should tell someone. I, I'm the Flash. I'm not equipped to deal with a bear. You went fuck this. <laughs> Gone. Like, all right, Flash. Thanks, thanks again for uh, telling us, Flash. Yeah, should have paid uh, for my movie. According to a map from the My Disney Experience app, the closed attractions included. Pirates of the Caribbean, Jungle Cruise, which is terrible, by the way. 
don't waste your time on Jungle Cruise just liked, because The Rock is sexy. Okay, hold on. I liked The Jungle Cruise, but I haven't been on it since they, I assume, revamped it for the movie. It was terrible. Uh, and, and, the, and the wait was like triple, quadruple the time because everybody wanted to go because everybody assumed that they were going to add shit from the movie. They did not. They did not? They did not. It is only the old ass ride that is just stupid, filled with all the lame jokes and stuff, and that was it. Well, I mean... I'm disappointed. All right, fair enough. No, no joke. No, I'm warning my viewers. If you go to Disney, you can go ahead and skip Jungle Cruise and go ride something better. Anyways, Haunted Mansion, which is awesome. Country Bear Jamboree, skip that one. Magic Carpets of Aladdin, who who doesn't want to go on the Magic Carpets of Aladdin? And the Walt Disney World Railroad train that circles around the park with stops at Fantasyland, Main Street, and Frontierland. Like, yeah, the part the bear gets on. Yeah, maybe that's why. The bear was on the train, and he just <laughs> hey, kept getting off. Hey, just, uh, you know, get, get on the old pads. He's like, I, knew, I only got in here once, so I better ride everything I want to ride now before, you know, they come and get me. Can you scooch over? <laughs> uh, there, there's even a... Yeah, yeah, there we go. Yeah, Scott Gustin. Uh, there we go. Here's a... Uh, oh, okay. So his name is Scott Gustin. So in the actual article... They said Grant Gustin. They, mis- they miswrote it. They wrote Grant Gustin. Yeah, so, Scott so, Gustin. So it wasn't The Flash. Okay, that's good. All right. Where he says, New, in a statement, the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission says it is aware of reports of a black bear spotted in a tree at Magic Kingdom Park at Walt Disney World. Biologists with the FWC's bear management program, as well as FWC's officers, are on the scene. Bear management. That's program? a great. That's a great day for a bear management program employee. Like, Ugh. like, like, I get to go to Disney World. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> but God, it is hard to manage these bears. Hey guys, can I just go on one more ride? Just one more. <laughs> the rides and attractions affected weren't closed for long, as Disney released a statement saying it was working with the FWC to capture and relocate the bear. Yeah, that makes sense. We are working with the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission and have made the decision to reopen Frontierland, Liberty Square, and Adventureland so you guys can spend more money. No, they didn't really say that. Disney said, as shared by the FWC, staff are on site and working on capturing and relocating the bear. Eventually, the FWC... Oh, bear. Eventually, the WC captured the bear, an adult female, from a tree in the backstage north area northeast of Rivers of America and will be relocated to an area in or around the Ocala National Forest. Well, that's good. I mean, very yeah. nice. Very nice. Yep. I mean, you got to give him credit. He was able to break in. He had a whole big day. It was it a was, she. It was a female. Well, I'm just saying she had a fun day, and I'm glad she was she was put home. I mean, maybe she was just a good mom scoping it out before bringing the kids, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. You got to be careful when you got kids. Yeah, but even <laughs> but not even a bear can break into Disney. I mean, but they did. If he if she had money. <laughs> yeah, they, somebody <laughs> let her in. That's what happened. This bear, this bear happened to have a couple hundreds on her, and then they were just like, well, it's a bear, but she did pay. The silly old bear breaking into Magic Kingdom comes two months after a squirrel was seen running around the stage of the Carousel of Progress. 
Luckily, no injuries were reported as a result of the bear getting into the park. Hold on, what is Wait this a squirrel? Minute. Co- Why is a this... squirrel comparable to a bear? Is it? I was gonna say like they must really be that good on keeping animals out. This is literally the only other thing they could find. Like we killed every other living thing squirrel. in here. There was a squirrel. Like oh yeah, it's just like that bear. You know the squirrel. Well, maybe it was the squirrel from the Sword in the Stone. You like, fucked that, the squirrels, that, that Marty! That could have been King Arthur. You fucked the squirrels, Morty! <laughs> oh, I can't do... I, yeah, I don't have to join you in on that, because I can't do, like, the, oh, jeez! I can't, I can't. I can't mm-hmm. do Morty. Fair enough. All right, well, that was a good first headline. I, I mean, you can't really beat a, a bear <laughs> breaking into Disney. Dude, not really. Uh, or this next story. All right, here comes the nostalgia. All right, yeah, so this is this is for the people who grew up with us. I'm so excited for this, honestly. Good Burger 2 is coming to Paramount Plus November 22nd! The Yay! sequel we've all been waiting for. Ah, the dude. He's, He's a dude. dude. She's a dude. And we're, we're all dudes. Hey! Alright, alright. This comes to us from Nerdist.com. When it comes to iconic duos for 90s kids, Keenan Thompson and Kel Mitchell rank pretty high on the list. The comedic pairs chemistry on Nickelodeon's All That, lovely show, lovely, the best show, led to their own TV series, Keenan and Kel, and the 1997 comedy film, Good Burger. Good Burger. A classic. A very good film. The movie came from an all-that sketch and soon became a pop culture hit in its own right. The way Ed says, Welcome to the Good good Burger, home of the burger, can't take your orders. Uh." Hold on, hold on. I feel like you didn't do that justice. I did not. Welcome to Good Burger, home of the Good Burger, can I take your order? You know, that's I was very white, I know, but I tried. Welcome to the Good Burger, home of the Good Burger, can I take your order? (laughs) Like, you gotta do, like, the little stoner. (laughs) I was stoned before we knew what that was. (laughs) The character was dumb, not stoned, to be clear. (laughs) That's true, that's true. Is etched into our brains forever, obviously. Start that sentence over. (laughs) Is etched into our brains forever. What? So is that braided wig that Kel Mitchell randomly found on set and wore to make this character unique. That makes sense. I didn't know that. A while back, we discovered that Keenan and Kel would reunite for Good Burger 2, along with other faves like Lori Beth Denberg. Love her. I, I remember her in uh, Dodgeball. Oh, yeah, yeah. She had a really small part, but she was in that. It was hilarious. It's 25 years later. And things are mostly the same for good old Ed. He drives his cat burger, sorry, car burger, to pick up Dexter, Dex Reed, hitting him with it. Dex cartoonishly flips into the car, and we know exactly what we are in for with this movie. So, what is this good burger sequel about anyway? Well, yet another one of Dex's inventions is a failure. But no matter what happens, he will always have a place at Good Burger with his old buddy, Ed. (laughs) Dex goes back to work there, and he's not proud of being in the same place again decades later. Yeah, that's fair. There are some new faces at the restaurant in Good Burger 2, but Dex is still up to his old ways, risking everything in his latest scheme that he will drag the not-very-smart Ed into. Good Burger 2 will hit Paramount Plus on November 22nd. 
Oh. And, you know, honestly, I don't mind it hitting Paramount Plus because Paramount is one of the few streaming sites that actually releases their originals to other mediums. You could buy it digitally. I think they've done physical media, but the point is they're not it's not like hey, it's on Netflix, which means you only ever could own it or watch it on Netflix. Yay. Yeah. Yay. Well, we know how you love Netflix. I just do so much. But Paramount Plus, they, I just think they've had fun because they've done, uh, they did a Beavis and Butthead sequel called Beavis Butthead Do the Universe. Which, which was awesome. If you like Beavis and Butthead, which was awesome. You know what I thought was interesting is uh, a, a show that was out when we were kids. We didn't watch it because it was, uh, you know, focused on girls at that age. Uh, it was Zoe 101. I remember that. Yeah, well, it was Britney Spears' sister who starred in that, and uh, I don't remember exactly, but the rumor was she got pregnant, which is why that show was canceled. I heard that, yeah. Well, you know, they have Zoe 102, the Paramount Plus original film. Excellent. They even brought back iCarly. Basically, Paramount Plus was like, all right, all this Disney stuff and these kids who are now in their 30s, uh, we're going to bring it all back. Just bring it back, which is why I am holding out for the Nickelodeon Salute Your Shorts movie. You know, that keeps making rounds again. People are <laughs> like, it makes me want to fart. I hope we never <laughs> but, fart. Yeah, Say it right or pay the price. Camp wanna wanna. We I hold you in our hearts. And when, when we think, think about, about you, it, it makes me want to fart. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. Nice, nice. Yeah, we're not good at high-fiving live. Okay. Excellent. But, no, I, I'm excited for this movie. Uh, I love they're going to bring back Lori Beth. I love that Kel's making a comeback because, I mean, what else has really Kel been doing? I, d- I don't know, but he looks he looks damn good, man. He looks, he looks about good. exactly the same. Yeah. No, and, and uh, you know, Keenan's obviously had a lot of success with SNL. Oh, dude, Keenan, I believe at this point, because he's there longer than anyone who's currently on staff, I think he's like the, one of the highest paid people on that show. That makes sense. He he earned it, man. Like, Keenan has, you know, like, he, he grinded, man. And I know that both of them wanted to get on, and I know that Kel, unfortunately, didn't make it. But uh, it's good to see that they're both working together all these years later. I saw, like, a clip where Kel surprised Keenan, I guess, at, like, some award show or something, and... That, I think, was probably the start of all this, of them being like, they're back. Well, you know, uh, Keenan and Cal did a sketch from the Keenan and Cal show on SNL last season before they uh, before the strikes at Cal caused oh, it. Oh, I missed that. Down. Oh, it's pretty funny. It's like adult Keenan and Cal. It's very good. <coughs> but all right, that was our headline number two. Let's move on to headline number three. Wellness influencer dragged after claiming... Nobody actually needs glasses. Oh, cool. I'll just take mine off. God, I hate the kids today. (laughs) This comes to us from ComicSans.com. Oh, my God. Self-described holistic master coach Samantha Lotus. That's got to be a fake name. Bullshit on that name. (laughs) Faced instant backlash over her groan-worthy claim that poor vision is actually due to spiritual reasons. (laughs) Who knew that in 2023, glasses shaming would become a thing? Probably nobody, but here we are. A Canadian (laughs) wellness influencer named Samantha Lotus is being raked over the coals for falsely claiming that glasses are not required to correct poor vision, and that optometrists have been lying when they say otherwise. It's a big old theory, those damn eye doctors. They are mental, emotional, physical, and even spiritual reasons why you may not be seeing. And I'm here to tell you, 
that can be healed. I personally have reversed my need for glasses and helped others do it too. It starts with a possibility. This is really what she's fucking saying. Yeah, these are it quotes. It starts with a possibility followed by a decision integrated with aligned action. Well, fuck you. <laughs> I'm teaching an $11 master class this week called Vizio. And it's going to blow your mind. Quote, Samantha Lotus. All right, Ryan. You wear glasses. Do you think it's because you're sp- spiritually off? Well, to be fair, I am spiritually off. <laughs> but I'm going to go ahead and throw it out there that, yeah, she, uh, I don't think that's Samantha Lotus. You know who I'm not going to go to? Samantha Lotus. <laughs> Samantha Lotus. You don't go to an influencer for medical advice? Yeah, you know, I just don't. They, you know, it always comes out a few days later that people are dying. Like, next thing you know, you got kids out there driving their cars, taking their glasses off. Oh, it's okay. I did yoga this morning. My spirit is <laughs> totally all set to drive. And now you've got some a blind person on the road. Nice. Well done. Nice. Well done. All right. All right. Uh, in a post, Lotus claimed that three, a whole three hundred and thirty-eight people signed up for her online masterclass. There, that's how many dumb people are out there, Joe. On average, that's pretty small. Like, like I'm, it, that's that's a lot of dumb people, Joe. That is a lot of dumb people. In, in a follow-up video, the science denier addressed those who called her out for her quackery. Oh, oh, sorry, I missed a quote. If you're close-minded and want to stay a victim, this is not for you. Quote Samantha Lotus. In a follow-up video, the science denier addressed those who called her out for her quackery and said her video healing practices were fake. The anti-glasses influencer became aggressive with her pitch and shamed the spectacled viewers who were hesitant on beco- about coming on board with her so-called treatment plan. You can choose to stay blind, she says. <laughs> she says, what, very aggressively. That she yeah she she asserted passive aggressively. Oh, That's yeah. great, but I have done this on myself. I have worked with my clients. I have worked with family members. Said Lotus, missing a prime opportunity to insert credible testimonies into her to validate her healing strategy. Yeah, we don't need to explain who these people are. No, no, that's not necessary. I've seen people take off their glasses and not need them anymore. Oh, and over and over and over again. She further ranted in the video, some people live with their eyes and their mind completely glued shut, and that's okay. That's their thing. Yet, it's not the truth. (laughs) I hate this person. A little. People appreciated neither her approach nor her ableism. Although her website does not mention any medical credentials, and <laughs> of she course ad- not. right, and she adopts the um, they call me Doctor Lotus lifestyle alchemy, holistic health, positive psychology, quantum physics. I believe she's a quantum physicist. I was going to say, out of fair. all those, I would actually believe that more. <laughs> Spirituality and heart-led entre- entrepreneurship. Blech. Entrepreneurship. Thank you. A spokesperson for the American Academy of Ophthalmology told the Daily Beast that there were limited options for healing presbyphobia or farsightedness, said the AAO spokesperson. The only way to correct is 
it is to is corrective lenses. Yeah, that's it. Reading glasses, glasses work <laughs> or contact lenses, surgery or medicated prescription eye drops. I want to hear about these magic eye drops. I actually am curious too. I was just thinking. <laughs> this they, will fix your eyes. Right. They added that there is no scientific evidence to support alternative practices such as eye yoga exercises that some claim could help presbyopia. Eye yoga? Is it like just kind of squinting hard? <laughs> or like, like, yeah, like you opening look really your hard. eye real wide? Maybe like you look really hard to the left. It's like, you look right. really hard to the right. Ugh. Hold it. Ugh. Breathe. Ugh. Right, now open up your eyes real big. You're gonna open them real big. And say, surprise face. Pop squinty them out face. like that one creepy surprise guy. Surprise face. Squinty face. <laughs> Lotus responded to the backlash through an email to the media outlet saying, I understand that people are skeptical and worried about grifters and uneducated influencer scammers online. Damn right. Like like her, like her, herself. I like the word of grifter. It's a fun grifter. Yeah. Yeah. She's con artist, but yeah, continue. Exactly. She further claimed to have studied psychology, sociology, and naturopathic medicine, as well as extensive training in anatomy, physiology, biology, pathology of disease, and iridology. I want to. I want to see her doctorates. Here's what's funny though: is all these are intro classes in in community college. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I took I took anatomy and physiology. I took sociology. I took psychology. So I'll bet you she took one class and to, is saying that she studied. Like I'll bet you, and I'll bet you she did really bad. To be fair, she's not lying. She said she studied. Technically, she could read a book and claim that you studied a subject. I'm calling her out that she did the same shit I did, and I'm an idiot when it comes to those things. It would never claim to be a professional, but let me continue. According to the outlet, Lotus described the aim of her class was self-healing, which encouraged clients to avoid blue light, cut back on screen time, which we should. Yeah, yeah. I'll agree with her there. Yeah. Ooh, Do specific- wait a minute, hold on. If I don't stare at a screen all day, my eyes won't hurt? I'll be damned. Oh, wow. Do specific eye and neck exercises and incorporate specific nutrients in their diet. In spite of all the hate mail she's received online, she is able to ignore the noise. Their (laughs) negative energy does not affect me, Lotus said. Well, of course their negative energy doesn't affect you because you're actually making money. So your th- your $11 class, if you got, what, like, three, what did it say, 365 people? Yeah, you're making some money. So, of course, like, yeah, act like you don't care because why would you care? There are dumb people paying you. Yeah, I, uh... Can you get sued? Like, if you claim that you can cure people's eyesight this way and then someone, like like you mentioned earlier, runs into a freaking pole or something, can that person sue? Are you liable? I think she should get sued. I honestly think she should because, like, she's, like, being so... How many people say, oh, you got to be responsible with your platform? Well, obviously she's got one, and it's like, well, if you're telling people they don't need glasses, and then, like I said, they get behind the wheel of a car. Yeah. Earthling Entertainment wants you to know that you do need glasses. All of you. Every single one of you out there needs glasses. Eventually, it's coming <laughs> It's coming for you. Yeah, no. It's coming for you. <laughs> All right. Fair enough, man. Well, so, our final headline of the day? I like this. Right. I honestly, at first, I didn't know what to think about it, but now I'm, I'm more into it after reading this. Donald Glover's Star Wars series, Lando, is now a movie. 
Bum, 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 bum. News broke in July that Donald and Stephen Glover had been tapped by Disney and Lucasfilm to replace Justin Simeon as the writers of the new Lando television series on Disney+. But not so fast. The project is actually being developed as a Lando movie. I like that better. Lucasfilm confirmed to Variety. Glover debuted as a young Lando Calrissian in the 2017 Star Wars tentpole Solo, which was a notable box office disappointment for Disney and Lucasfilm, which I disagreed with. I thought it was good, but to be fair, I didn't go out and support it either. Well, they said box office disappointment, so that that, that doesn't mean it was a bad movie. It just means it didn't make money. You know, I did see it. I saw it uh, day of, uh, opening day, I should say, at the Chinese Theater in Hollywood. That was uh, it was nice. We got little badges. Dope, I can show you later. It's a little badge. That's it's sweet, like dude. it's like you are a special fan because you came out early to watch the movie. Uh, just bad timing. That's all that that was, in my opinion. Well, yeah, I mean, it came out three months after the Last Jedi, and let's be honest, the Last Jedi was the most divisive Star Wars film we've ever had. Like, that was one hundred percent. They the the like people liked it, liked it, but the people who hated it hated it. Yeah. Stephen Glover first dropped the news of a Lando movie on a recent appearance on the Pablo Torre Finds Out podcast, telling the host, it's not even a show. The idea right now is to do a movie. Right now, because of the strike, it's kind of like telephone, all of the information. That's all the info Stephen could provide. Lucasfilm confirmed the news afterwards. News first broke of a Lando Calrissian limited series being in the works in December 2020. At the time, Dear White People creator Justin Simeon was attached to the project. He exited and was replaced by the Glover brothers, who are developing it as a movie. The character of Lando was originally played by Billy D. Williams in The Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. Woo! And he made another appearance in the... In the the new movie, Rise of too. Skywalker. Yes, yes. Uh, that was that was actually a really cool cameo. I thought. Yeah, and you know what? Billy D. Williams is also going to be at Motor City Comic Con November eleventh. I'm gonna bring him a Colt forty five. Colt forty five works every time. Works every time. All right, Donald Glover <laughs> revealed in a video interview with GQ magazine in April that he was talking to Lucas. I would like to point out that that is Gentleman's Quarterly. <laughs> about another Lando-centric project in the Star Wars universe. He said, we're talking about it. That's as much as I can say without uh, Lucasfilm president, Kathleen Kennedy hunting me down. Lando is charm incarnate. Ooh. Glover continued at the time. He's kind of a maverick, which I don't think there's a lot of anymore. It's hard to be the smooth talker nowadays. Where's the line? That's also where the danger is. How close can you get without tripping over it? I like that he's viewing it this way. That's good. Yeah, I mean, you definitely, yeah. No, that he really wants it to be as, as to the line as he can. I like that. I like that. Push it a little bit, dude. I don't care. Glover added, I would also, I would love to play Lando again. It's, it's a fun time being him. It just has to be the right way to do it. Time is precious. The past couple of years, this pandemic shit, it really had people experience time. People realize their time is valuable. You only get so much. I'm not interested in doing anything that's going to be a waste of my time or just a paycheck. I'd much rather spend time with people that I enjoy. It just has to be the right thing. 
and I think it could be. Lando is definitely somebody I like to hang out with. Nice. Well said. And, you know, I, I just, I've always loved Donald Glover. I love him because of community. He was in that show for five of the six seasons, and he will be returning to the community uh, movie that they're making. So he, he played this character named Troy. Uh, him and his duo, Troy and Abed. Oh, my God. That was some of the best stuff in that show. But as far as him playing Lando, oh, man, he did a great job. Killed it. He Honestly, it was job. perfect. Perfect. I remember in an interview when uh, Solo was coming out, uh, Lan- <laughs> excuse me, Donald Glover was talking to Billy D. Williams and said, so, hey, man, you know, like, what's, and I'm paraphrasing because I don't know the exact scenario. He's right. like, hey, man, what's going on? You know, I just, I want, you know, what do I do? How do I make sure I do this right? And uh, Billy D. reportedly said, man, just be cool. That's it. Yep. That's it. And, and you know what? When When you were younger... Who is cooler than Han Solo and Lando Calrissian? Nobody. Like, they were our generation's fonds, I feel like. Well, I mean, to be fair, the show, the, the, excuse me, Star Wars, uh, you know, was it night, late 70s and then was it 83 for Jedi? So I don't know if I'd say our generation. I guess not. But, I mean, we were grown up on Star Wars. They had all the new toys well, out. Well, we grew up on Star Wars, let's be honest, because of the 1997 re-releases and home video, which we watched when yes. we were little kids. You know that's, what I mean? That's kind of what I mean is I, I feel like, it did belong to us in that right. Like we were the ones who experienced, like we, we were the ones who first got to see all the new added stuff in the special edition and stuff. You oh know? yeah, totally. You know, dude, Star Wars is multi-generational. You got the people who are the original fans, the people like us who came in in the 90s and then were maybe, what, we were teenagers when the prequels came out, which uh, a lot of people like and a lot of people don't like. I like them, and now I feel like since a lot of those fans have grown up, it, uh, most people like the prequels now. Except oh. the old old school fans. Uh, yeah, I I love it all. Honestly, I have a I have a love for everything that they've done. Uh, I've watched the only thing I haven't watched was like Resistance. I watched everything else. Resistance is uh, it's an animated show that takes place in the First Order era, and it is uh, not good. It, yeah. The animation is terrible. I don't care about the characters. It's the only Star Wars animated show that I can't watch. Like, objectively, a lot of these Star Wars shows are good shows. They're just, you know, kid-friendly. Whereas uh, this this one just felt like it was for dumb kids. I, I did not appreciate it. And what I'm excited for with this Lando movie is we know we're going to have to eventually get a young Han. Well, we already had a young Han. I believe, I mean, you're just going to get the same actor. Which one was him again? My bad. Are you serious? Oh, yeah, the oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, movie. yeah. They're going to bring him back? I wasn't sure if they would. Why wouldn't they? Just because it was such a tanker. They brought uh, Hayden Christensen back. Yeah, they brought. Back. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Honestly, I think if an actor is willing to come back, they'd bring him back. I could be wrong, but I think if you, so you're uh, right. They'll bring him back. If you recast Han, I, do, I think it would just further confuse the situation. You're right. You're right. All right. So we get to have him back. We get to have Chewbacca back, which is great. <laughs> so, uh, oh, yours was way better. <laughs> Oh wow, yeah, that was that was good, Ryan. Well thank done. You, thank you, thank you. Your your Wookiees is very well. Uh Shrewook. Shrewook. Your Shrewook is on on point, sir. But uh, anyway, so uh yes, we're gonna get all the iconic characters back. Uh I'm excited for that. I love backstories. I do. Fair enough. So I like expanded universe as well. Yeah, and tell you what, uh, on a random note, I didn't care about it with the Marvel universe. I really didn't, but I would love to see a what if 
Star Wars if they could get people to come back? Well, I mean, they sort of do because the Star Wars Vision series is, it's not a what if because it's not like scenarios uh, where it's like different timelines or different decisions cause different events. It's more of just let's play in the sandbox of Star Wars and get these weird stories that are not canon but are all over the place. Have you seen it? It's it's each episode yes, done by a different animation studio. Yeah, you showed, yeah. You showed me. Remember, we watched a couple of them together. They, they were sweet. Season two just came out. I'm going to have to watch that. Oh, uh, but, it's good. But, it's good. Uh, but all right, should we? Oh, yeah. All right. So, guys, that was our final headline, and it was a Star Wars headline. So we could smoothly go into the final segment of our show today. A uh, Not so much a review, even though we call it a review. It's more of a talk of Star Wars Ahsoka. Ahsoka Episode 6 Review. All right. All right. So, last we met our heroes. They were in a space whale flying to an alternate universe. And we start the episode there. And we have Ahsoka sitting there with Hu Yang. Hu Yang. Hu Yang. And they talk about basically that there are fairy tales and legends all stemming from this other universe which they are headed to. Right. Meanwhile, our villains show up to it. And as they show up, I love this, there is a ring around the planet. And through conversation and eventually visually, we see that the whales, the space whales, the pergil, I believe it's called, yep. who travel to this universe, which is how our heroes are getting there. They're flying in the mouth of a pergil. Uh, come here to die, kind of like salmon swimming upstream. So all the ring around this planet is actually bones of the space whales. Crazy. I it, love it. Oh, it looks beautiful. It does. So our villains show up to the planet, and they are greeted by three Night Sisters. And we find out that this planet is the home planet of the Night Sisters, which, if you don't know, are the witches of Star Wars. And our one character, who is with our villains, who uh, has been getting psychic talk from these witches to guide her to Thrawn. Now, these Night Witches were doing this for Thrawn's, uh, upon Thrawn's orders of being like, hey, uh, get me out of this universe. I, I, I like seeing how uh, Balin gets a kick out of seeing uh, Morgana like being so pleased with herself and so excited. Like you, you, he gets like a moment where he looks over at her and he he smiles at her look of excitement. Yeah, like I, I which was weird because up until this point, I always kind of figured that it was they had a very like he didn't give a crap about her. He's in it for himself. But that really kind of showed me that like he he enjoys seeing people believe in something. Well, see, all right, so I'm calling him a Sith, but technically he's not a Sith. He's just a fallen Jedi. He wants to be something more. Yes, something more. Which Balin, we don't know the yet. the bearded, I, I'm going to be, for, for the sake of this, I'm going to keep calling him a Sith. And that's fine, because at this point, we really don't know. Uh, all we know is that, but I mean, in this episode, I mean, later on, he, he, he discusses with Hati, with Shin Hati, and he was telling Which her. Which is his apprentice. Because she's like, well, you know, so I'm trained the way Ezra was. He's like, no, Ezra was trained as a Jedi. You, I trained to be something more. Something more. So we still don't know what he wants. And he says that there's something on the planet that's calling to him. So, And he, and she's like, everybody else is trying to get the fuck out of here. Why shouldn't we? And he's like, maybe they're running from something more powerful than them. Oh, yeah, I love that. And it's, so this whole thing is this universe, this other universe, which we've never visited before in Star Wars. They're, they're kind of hinting at everything from our universe in the Star Wars universe came from this universe so it's the ancient power so i i think it has something to do with the force itself 
it could be like you know i was wondering like yeah is it gonna be uh what's his name the big character that basically was like what the godlike character yeah i wonder if it's him that's i don't know because i i think you're gonna have to uh retcon then do then do yeah, I think you'd have to retcon a lot in order to do that. I have but, no idea. And anyways, so our villains are there, and they uh, wait as the Star Destroyer from Thrawn shows up. It was now, sick. So Thrawn and Ezra were taken away to this universe way, way before the, even the original Star Wars movie. All three of the original movies happened, and then maybe 10, 15 years, and then boom, we have this this time, this era. This is the Mandalorian era. Go and the ahead. whole thing was that was Ezra saving everybody by getting the Purgle to take him as well as Thrawn out, to of, the different out of the picture so he couldn't be a danger anymore because he, he was. He's, you know, he's a mastermind. Exactly. So our villains have showed up to basically bring Thrawn home. Thrawn pulls up in his big Star Destroyer, and we see a bunch of stormtroopers and Thrawn basically, it seems like he's he's got a lot of uh, power now. It seems like that maybe it's a cult thing. A lot of these stormtroopers have like gold inlaid in their masks, and the main stormtrooper, which when I first saw him, I, I swear to God I thought it was Ezra. I thought like he, Ezra was brainwashed or something. But uh, he has... A, his mask is like a gold, actual, like anatomically correct human face, like in the middle of the star, the the um, the stormtrooper mask. Uh, his really name is thing. his name is Enoch. Enoch. And you know me, I'm sitting there going, "Well, I'm just gonna go ahead and wait for them to make that helmet." <laughs> right. I'm gonna go ahead and get it. Well, you know, Enoch is the name of Noah. You know, from Noah's Ark, it's his uncle. I believe, and they have this whole story that was taken out of the Bible, but is still in the Ethiopian text about Enoch being taken up on a spaceship, and it's a lot of alien stuff. So I'm wondering if there's any, like, I don't know, hint or connection, or are we drawing a parallel between those biblical stories and this character? And it was kind of cool to see them, like, they had, like, all, like, the, I don't know if it was symbolic or just that's all that they have to fix their armor. A lot of stories had, had, like, this, this red tape. Oh, I didn't yeah. see the red tape. Yeah, I did but, see that they were all dirty as hell. Yeah, a lot of them were, yeah, were fucked up looking. And, you know, and, and he mentions it later. He's like, in, in this time, we have our numbers have dwindled. Yeah. So well, it's been rough for them. Well, yeah, because uh, we saw the... Okay, let's be honest. They were just sand people. We saw the this planet's version exactly. of sand they people. They really were. They even sounded like them. <laughs> all right, so... <laughs> <laughs> the bad guys made a deal with Sabine because Sabine gave them the map to get to this uh, to get to this galaxy in the first place. And they pretty much say, all right, we're going to honor our deal and you can go look for Ezra. So they let her leave to look for Ezra while our bad guys are like, ha let's move, like twiddle our mustache. How cool was that when he, sorry to interrupt, how cool was that when he first handed her the lightsaber? Yeah, it was when pretty Enoch cool. When Enoch handed the lightsaber, I was like, damn, like this is, this is Thrawn. Yeah, well, see, Thrawn is is a uh, he's a very calculated man, and he b- goes for what he believes is a higher purpose, but would never consider himself evil. He's very he's he's he believes in honor, and he is a bad guy. Don't misunderstand, but like it's a different kind of bad guy. It's an intellectual bad guy, if you will. He wants to make the world the way he sees fit. Yeah, yeah, and if you read the Thrawn the universe, shit, yeah, the whole universe. So now Sabine, she's looking for. Ezra, she's on this planet. Uh, meanwhile, the two, what I call Sifs, uh, the, and the Apprentice, are basically hunting her down. And because when she finds Ezra or dies, whatever, they're to make sure that they never leave the planet. So, yeah, he, and that's the way he's like, I honored the deal. I'm letting you find him. 
but I didn't say I wasn't gonna, you know, kill you afterwards. Aha! But how is how funny is it that, you know, so the her mount, what she takes off on is this slobbering thing called a howler. Yeah, and it looks like a vicious beast, of it course. Looks, it looks mean, and, you know, it's given to her by the stormtroopers, so, like, the whole vibe is, ooh, this thing's a nasty thing. Well, Sabine proceeds to bitch it out <laughs> when it runs off, and we get this cute interactment of this this wolf being like, Nurr. yeah, like the beast is very, very uh, ashamed of itself, and, and and it's adorable, and I love. Star it's essentially Wars. a dog. I love Star Wars making animals adorable, and like the characters always have this like really like wholesome interaction with with all these animals and stuff. Oh, man, and speaking of cool aliens and animals, so when Sabine is on this planet looking for Ezra, she is uh, basically comes across this rock that the dog is sniffing out. And she's like, that's just a rock. But then it pops up, and it's like a turtle beetle thing. Ryan, crab people, crab people, looks like crab, look like people, crab. <laughs> but, but anyways, they're, uh, they're yeah, adorable. They're adorable. They, they look like little Ninja Turtles with like eye stalks. They're, they're especially the baby. Oh my god, it was it was kind of cute. Yeah, you get to see the baby. So, uh, you know, after she talks with them, Sabine talks to these little alien race, and then all of a sudden, a bunch of them pop up, and they're surrounded by them, and then they they all travel together because she somehow communicates that they're all friends and looking for Ezra because they saw it saw the rebel symbol on Sabine's armor on her pauldron. Right, right, and then he had a he had a rebel symbol around his neck, uh, yep. which we presume came from Ezra. I was going to say yeah. Ezra probably made the tribe a, a, a medallion each, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyways, um, what happens is she is taken to a little village, and ba da da da, he's there. Our first glimpse at live action Ezra. He's a little grizzly. Well, he's got a beard. He's got a beard. I mean, how old was the character when he went to the universe? He was at most like late teens, early twenties. I was gonna say, most. I was gonna say early twenties because he's young. So I would say when we see him now, he's still not even thirty. I think he's in his thirties for you sure. Think so? I think I, late twenties, early thirties. Okay, I, you yeah. might be right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyways, Ezra, we found him. That's thing. So her and Ezra and the aliens pack up and go. Sabine, uh, she failed to tell him that she got to this universe by basically hitching a ride of the bad guys. And they actually have no way off the planet. Uh, she does not know that Ahsoka is showing up with a Pergil. And honestly, uh, that's where we left off. Because well, the bad guys found out because the uh, the Night Sisters call Thrawn to them at the very end of at the At the very episode. end of the yep. episode, yep. And that's why I kind of get why they decided with the script to be like, just have Sabine say, "Yeah, let's not talk about it right now. How I got here. Let's wait till the next episode. Let's wait till the exactly because <laughs> that way we can just have this wholesome moment here for the show because it was right at the end. And and honestly, I don't. I think it was beautifully paced this whole episode. So so the Night Sisters call Thrawn at the very end, and Morgana, and they're all standing there and they're like, you know, we have received another vision. Basically, a Jedi approaches riding the travelers, a Jedi which means the Purgle. So he calls it out. He's like, could this possibly be the dead, the presumably dead Ahsoka Tano? Yeah, and he's I wouldn't think you were one to underestimate a Jedi. Yeah, yeah. And, and then she's like, there's no way. And he's like, yeah, you know, well, he's like, Balin's, you know, he's like, is not Balin, was he not once a Jedi? So deception is a part of his thing. And, oh, oh, I forgot about this. One of my favorite parts in this episode, I'm going to go back a little bit. When they first meet Thrawn, when we first meet Thrawn, uh, the Night Sisters inform Thrawn they have brought a prisoner, and he's like, "I didn't know about this." They're like, "It was a loose thread." 
Balin speaks up and is like, it was my decision. I think she could help us. And he comes over and calls him right out being like, so you must be the general Balin Skull of the Jedi Order. And he's like, I left the General Jedi. of the Clone Wars. And he's like, I left the Jedi Order long ago. Thrawn, you know, we get a little interaction of Thrawn being like, yeah, you wouldn't be the first. He's like, you're right. She will be, uh, you know, important to us. Then we get this look. Yes, because he's like, Sabine, nice to hear a familiar face. His voice is great. Yeah. And I know he's original voice actor. It's so great. Yeah, he's the guy him. who played Thrawn's voice in Rebels, for I sure. I love it. And so, but, but did you see that look? That double take look he gave Balin, which said, you're in this for something else. Yeah, you because Thrawn is do. so smart. He's calculating. He's like, as long... But Th- Thrawn doesn't give a crap right now. As long as Thrawn gets out of this galaxy and back to our galaxy of Star Wars, then, I mean, that's all he wants. And, and like I said, I don't know. Like, right there, I could tell he knows that Balin Skull is there for something completely... And how much you want to bet that after him being exiled for so long, he might even know exactly what Balin's there for. Well, I mean, I think he could probably deduce it. He's that kind of character. Well, right, right. No, great job. On, this is probably my favorite one so far. Yeah, it's a good episode. And you know what? I think that'll uh, I think that'll do us unless you have any final thoughts on the episode. Uh, I would love to see the pirate guy that, that they were friends with in Rebels. Hondo. Hondo, yes, Hondo. yes. I would love for them to bring Hondo on the ne- uh, on one of the... That, how great would that be if Hondo, like, shows up with, like, ah, I made this, let's, let's fucking go. I don't know how old Hondo's <laughs> species can be, but, I mean, he'd be really old, man. Dude, I would love to see Hondo. I would love to see Zeb. We already had Zeb in... Uh, in the Mandalorian, I think we'll, I, I, I think we'll have at least a cameo of Zeb. I sure. hope so, and uh, I, that's all I got. All right. Well, thanks for listening, guys. This was episode six of Earthling Entertainment. If you like what you hear, check out our other podcast, which is Tattered Tales. Now, that is a anthology show. So each episode is a self-contained story of fantasy or sci-fi, and you could find that anywhere where you find podcasts. And listen for next Wednesday, where we have episode seven of Earthling Entertainment with Joe and Ryan. I'm Joe. I'm Ryan. Thanks for listening. Thanks.